Yeah, good. Uh, it's been strike week this week. Who's been affected by school strikes? Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, a handful of people in the room. Uh, this message has been affected by school strikes because we, we had some plans this week to be like, we thought we'd, we'd like broken the system where we could get our children into school even though no one else could get their children into school and our plan failed. And so all of a sudden I had a lot less time this week to prepare this message. So who wants to help me write a message for Sunday? Yay! Excellent! Uh, this is kind of how we roll at Gloucester Vineyard Church. Anyway, if you've been here before, you probably know this is not a passive moment for you guys to shut up and listen to me speak. This is an active moment of engagement. We have a lot of backwards and forwards, and today there's going to be a lot of backwards and forwards. So I'm just going to acknowledge it. It's Sunday afternoon. It's warm. I'm feeling sleepy. I'm betting some of you are as well. So everybody just stand up. Give it a really big stretch. Stretch it out, get your back stretched. Very good. Right now, turn to somebody around you, give them a high five. If you don't know their name, ask them their name. Five it all over. Very good. Very good. Five it out. Oh! No, oh, do you want one up? Um, marvellous. Okay, sit down. Everybody's feeling much more awake now, right? Yeah. Everyone's feeling really pumped for some collaboration. Oh, don't do that face. Yeah, that's a much better face. Okay, great. So, um, at the beginning of this term, we, um, we kind of raised the subject of prayer. And we said that as a, as a church, we want to really raise the profile of prayer amongst us. And we did a little bit of kind of in-the-room research. We kind of um, discovered that most of us in the room like believe in prayer, believe that prayer is a thing, believe it's important, but that also uh, we all kind of struggled with it in different ways. We kind of found it a little bit difficult, had some questions. None of us were particularly like 100% comfortable with the idea of prayer. And we all kind of acknowledged that there was a lot of growth for each of us uh, in the area. And um, it's been really, really encouraging for me to see how since we did that talk, um, we've seen some really wonderful stuff happening within the life of the church. And so I've been noticing people's prayers getting a bit braver. People are asking for bigger, more specific things when they pray, which I love. I just think that's fabulous. Um, in our home groups, we've been seeing some of the groups diving into prayer in a much deeper way. So learning about how to pray the Bible has been wonderful. And one of the home groups even kind of articulated a vision for prayer within their home group and what they wanted to see and how they wanted to function. I was like, that is... That's something else. It's very, very cool. And I've been noticing also there's been more evidence of a kind of two-way conversation of prayer, of us speaking to God and God speaking to us. And that's just been wonderful. So I really just want to kind of keep pushing down the accelerator button and keep prayer on the agenda by talking about it again today. Um, and so we're kind of going to pick up with, with where we left off. And I, I ended the last... Um, talk by reading this really famous little verse from a book in the first half of the Bible called Chronicles. It says this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will restore their land. Super powerful verse. If my people who are called by my name, that's us, will humble themselves lay down their pride and they'll pray, commit themselves to a relational conversation regularly with Father God and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins. And this is the really precious bit that Boy really wonderfully shared with us. I will heal their land. And there was just hunger in the room, wasn't there, for God to come and heal our land. 
And I think if, if I passed this microphone around now and said, what would it mean for God to heal our land? I think we would have you know, 30 different responses, wouldn't we? Because there's so many ways in which we need to see our land healed. So today I want to take that a little bit further by kind of exploring a posture that I think the Bible really encourages us towards. Um, and so after today, I, just, I hope that we really continue to see prayer having a real priority within our church. Um, and so what I want to do is I want to explore a little tension that I think the Bible leads us into. It's a good tension. The older I get, and the more hair I lose, the more I realise that, that life is less about getting everything right and more about holding right things in tension. So like, for example, when I'm thinking about parenting my kids, I want to be firm, but I also want to be fair. If I'm too firm or too fair, things go a bit wonky. But if, if that's in good tension, if I'm both firm and fair, then things go well at home. And when I'm writing these talks, I want you know, these messages to be fun, but also challenging. If it's too fun or too challenging, it just doesn't really work. There's a tension to strike there, isn't there? Um, but I think the biggest and best example is food. I want the food that I prepare to be delicious and healthy. And uh, that's a, oh, I struggle with that one all the time. Because let's face it, the most healthy things are just not that delicious, are they? More cheese, more salt. Um, well, at least that's how, how it rolls in our house. And so today we're going to just explore attention um, really quickly. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at two truths, two things which are right. Um, and we're going to just we're going to discuss that. So you guys are going to have a role in a minute. But before we do that, uh, we're just going to come over here to the lovely whiteboard. And I do actually need I need a volunteer. Who wants to come and write on the whiteboard? No one ever wants to. Emily, you can come and do it. You can. Thanks for being amazing. Your handwriting's better than mine. Um, so, where are we? Um, we're going to do some theology this afternoon on a warm Sunday. Who's excited to do some theology? Yeah, two! I literally wrote the word two of us in here, so that was prophetic. So there is two people who are excited about doing some theology. Please don't be afraid of theology. Oh, I think it was Aaron and Diane. It was just the two of them. They're both excited. Um, please don't be afraid of the word theology. Um, theology is literally just thoughts about God. So quick show of hands, who's ever thought about God? Yes, very good. So we're all theologians, okay? So it's all good, it's all good. We're going to do some very basic theology today. Um, and so I've just got a couple of quick questions. Um, anybody who's been a Christian for a little while might be able to help us here. We're going to just kind of describe the way that God works in the world with some omni, omni words. So does anybody know what, what these three omni words might be? Yes, go on. Omni, omnipotent. Omnipotent, very good. Omniscient. Okay. Don't worry. Explanation's coming. And what's the last one? Omnipresent. Very good. Omnipresent. I mean, stranger things have been said on across the video chat Sunday. Um, omnipotent, omniscient, and omnis omnipresent. Omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. What does omnipotent mean? All powerful. Very good. Okay. That's good. Um, you can kind of hear that. Omnipotent, like completely potent, that's weird. Um, omniscient, what does omniscient mean? All known, very good. This is very, I'm so glad you're writing on this board, not me. And omnipresent, what does omnipresent mean? Everywhere. Yeah, yeah. All everywhere. All places, yeah, that's good. All powerful, all knowing, and everywhere. So it's kind of one of those, like, kind of umbrella. Things that when we're thinking about God, we think about him being 
all powerful, all knowing, and all everywhere. So that's kind of, that's that. So like thing number one, we've written that down on the board. What about if we think about God and time? Like how does God relate to time? Anybody wanna, he's what, sorry? He's outside of time. What the heck does that mean? He's got a TARDIS. God is outside of time. Like he doesn't have the same relationship to time that we do. Like he doesn't seem to have a beginning or an end seem to relate to the way that time in the same way that we do. Um, just a quick spoiler, there is literally no way you can understand this, so just don't try. It's just a concept that just God is just so much bigger and more powerful than time. He's not bound to it like we are. Um, that's great. And so, so Christians have kind of developed this notion of God over the years, that he is all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere, all at once. That he's outside of time. He doesn't relate to time in the same way that we do. But also that God kind of has a play. He does engage with time. So although he doesn't have to, he does. He engages with our experience of time, and he kind of, he's moving history towards a point. Like, he is engaging with time and our experience of time towards a point. Like, God has a plan for the world and the universe, and he's moving it towards a certain point. People agree with this. Yeah? This is not a trap. I know sometimes I set traps, but this isn't one of them. So, and, but, and so Christians generally believe this, but they also tend to believe that whilst God's got this kind of big, epic, overarching vision of time, he also cares very deeply about us as individuals. He has a plan for each of our lives as well. He knows the hairs on everything on every one of our heads, even if they are diminishing. And that he, uh, and that he cares about our lives and he has a plan for our lives within time. Um, people agreeing with that one too? Yeah? And so what we're, what we're painting over here is, is a, a kind of a picture of God, who is all of those omni things, who has a huge plan for history, and who has a mini purpose for each one of us. Um, and so with all of these things in mind, uh, a couple of really quick unfair questions. These are traps, okay? You were warned. Um, does God ever change his mind about stuff? Yes and a no. Fantastic. Does God change his mind about stuff? All powerful, all knowing, all everywhere. Outside of time, got a plan. Does he change his mind about stuff? Mm, depends on what you mean. I mean, I think. Sorry? Should he change his mind in the box? That's exactly where we're going. So there's a couple of things that, like, but there's a couple of really, like, foundational truths that we read about in the Bible. Like, one of my favorite books is. Is the book of James. And one of the things that it says in the book of James is that God does not change. He doesn't cast a shifting shadow and like change on a whim like we do. He just simply doesn't change. And if you ever read the Psalms, you'll find that God is described repeatedly as a rock and a solid foundation upon which we can build our lives. Like, he's not the kind of person who changes, right? Um, and what do you think? Can, can we as people, do you think we can outsmart God? Yeah. Do you think we can outthink God? No, we can't. We can't. Can we? Anybody think we can? Anybody want to give it a go? No. Okay. Brilliant. Thanks, Emma. So we've got a little portrait of God over here. This is this is like a really big stake in the sand. So this is right and true. We pop this in the ground over here. Um, and now we're going to go over here, and this is where you guys start doing some work. Um, so, and what we're going to do is we're going to split into two groups. So this group over here. I'm going to give you two stories from the first half of the Bible called the Old Testament. It's the bit before Jesus shows up. 
And they're two stories of when a person goes to God and prays and something amazing happens. So what I'd like you to do in your groups, you're going to have quite a lot of time for this, is to read through the story. And then if you're a boffin nerd who's been around the church for a little while and you know the story, you know the context, I'd really like you to kind of play host in that conversation and say, this is what's happening here. This is a little bit of context to this story. And then I want you to read the story again. And then I want you to observe something. I just want you to kind of share, in the same way that we might do in a home group, just some stuff that's jumping out at you. Especially when we consider all of these things and what we see when some people pray. Okay? So once you're done, I'm going to ask somebody from your group to come and share a little bit of the story, a little summary of the story, and some of the things that you thought were remarkable. Okay? So I want you to kind of turn and face one another. Gloucester Vineyard folks, this is your moment to be hospitable. So if you have experience leading a home group, then go for it. Um, I'm going to give you some pieces of paper. And if you need any help at all, put your hand up and Diane will come and help you. <laughs> um, could I have a spokesperson from each group to just like really quickly, if you can, like within a minute, just summarise what was discussed in your group. So kind of summarise the story, summarise some of the points that came up. Come, 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 come. Don't be shy. Come on, Cheryl. And somebody from this group, come on. Am I supposed to be coming up here to do it? Yes, go for it. Yes. So I think, oh, well, that's a bit bad. No, no, go for it. Yeah, you do. Project, just project. Um, so I think we were sort of saying what stuck, what stuck out to us was... Um, so what was your story? Oh, sorry. Do I have to, I don't know. Yeah, 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 just praise him, just praise him. Um, Moses is asking God not to burn and destroy everyone after they decide they're going to worship calves and whatnot. Because um, God was very angry and said, I'm going to burn everybody. And Moses said, oh, please don't. Let's just stop a minute, have a think. That won't bring you glory. The Egyptians will think you're silly. Steady on. And God relents and says, OK. Um, and we sort of discussed, so is that God changing his mind? And therefore, is God changeable? Or how does that impact the way we would pray to God? And we talked lots of things about TARDISes and time machines. Um, because we said God's outside of time with that. And even originally when he said, um, now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and so that I may destroy them, then I'll make them into a great nation. We said ultimately the outcome was going to be the same because Moses um, appealed to him and said, don't destroy them because that won't help to make a great nation, etc. And we kind of said maybe the ultimate outcome would have been the same, um, but it would have been affected by time as to how quickly that would have happened if God had gone ahead with his... Um, anger, and some people said um, it shows that God has feelings and that we can actually feel an emotive response from God when Moses appealed to him, so therefore we can appeal to him because he cares and thinks about feelings as well as great, omnipotent, huge, universal things. He also cares about us and our feelings and our feelings for people because he cares and loves that's all. Um, and what else did he say? Something missed? Kind of those are the two main things. We, and, oh, and Brian said that he thinks that um, God knew what was going to happen all along anyway, but by arranging, he was actually trying to tease the leadership out of Moses and get Moses to come to this conclusion. And uh, that was an interesting one as well, because actually, if God's outside of time and knew what Moses was going to say and do anyway, he probably knew that he was going <laughs> to relent and not do all of that anyway, but he wanted to tease that prayerfulness out of Moses and he wanted to tease that leadership out of Moses to come up with a Very good. Round of applause. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Let's hear from this group. Um, so we have the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, um, where Abraham is praying, uh, talking to God and saying, 
uh, you know, will you just register to see 50 people if there are 50 people in the city? Because no, no, I won't. And he keeps going down bit by bit, you know, until he gets to 10 people. And everyone's fairly certain there's going to be at least 10 people that are white chest and say, God, won't destroy the city. But there isn't. Uh, so it's probably quite a big place. If there's not even 10 people, it must have been quite a horrible place to be. Uh, that's what we surmise. And obviously, we don't know that for sure, but that's what we guess. Um, and we were saying that um, if there had perhaps been more righteous people who were prepared to intercede and pray on behalf of the city and stand you know, in prayer, then maybe what happened wouldn't have happened. Hmm. Um, yeah. Cool. Great. Thank you very much. Round of applause. Thank you, Claire. Um, okay, so two really interesting stories. Like one, two moments where God's going to do something really drastic and where somebody goes to God and prays and asks for God to do something different. And in both of those stories, we see an example of God doing something apparently different after somebody prayed. A normal person like you or me went to God in prayer and had an effect on the very mind and heart of God. You know, the Bible would, would walk us into this understanding that we as human beings, when we pray, we can implement change in the world when we pray. That's what the Bible would lead us to say. That we can affect God's mind and his heart with our prayers. Now, I... I heard from both, both, both groups what happens in my brain when I start to think of that and when I start to think of the idea that I could go to God and ask for something and that he might change his mind and do something else. I have a bazillion logical questions that ping off and I ask all the questions about the TARDIS and I ask all of them and I'm like, well, well how, do we, how do we think about this? Why then should I pray? Like, does he know what I'm going to ask? Is there any point in me asking? And it gets very, very chaotic and messy. And this is the, one of the reasons why a few weeks ago we talked about the importance of children in this church and why children are so important to us as adults in our journey of faith. Because children don't have this problem. I don't know if you've ever noticed a, children, a child praying, for example, that they might see a third ladybird on their walk and then just expect to see that third ladybird there on the pavement. Thank you, Boaz. Um, that's the way that children pray. Children don't ask those questions. They just wander up to God and start talking to him and asking for him for stuff in the way that only children can. And our Bibles are trying to tell us that God is all of these omni things. And when we, yet when we carve out time in our busy schedules, when we pray, when we ask him for stuff, when we ask him to heal our land, he stoops down and he listens and he acts on what we ask for. I truly believe that there are things in this, in this world that God would really like to do, which he won't do unless we as his children will ask him for it. I truly believe that. I really believe that there are injustices waiting to be made right that God won't act upon unless we ask him to. Now, you have permission to disagree with me on that one, and we can go for a coffee and talk about it. We can still be friends. But I really, truly believe that, that there are things that God is waiting for us as the church, as his people, to pray for before he acts on them. It just seems to be the way that he works to me. It's like God could run this world without us. He could just reach down and sort things out. But he's chosen to partner with us. He's chosen to work in this world through us. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that absolutely amazing that God would do that? Isn't that also absolutely terrifying? Seriously, it's terrifying that God would choose to partner with us. I mean, look around you. We're not exactly a particularly impressive bunch. Sorry. I just couldn't resist. 
I'll get told off for that later. Speak for yourself, exactly. Um, I wonder what things God wants to do in this city or in our workplace or in our school or on our street or in this nation, and he's just waiting for us to ask for it. I wonder what lies we are believing about prayer. I wonder what we think happens when we close our eyes and spend time with God. Maybe we imagine God uh, as like an over-busy parent figure, like dashing from one task to another, just barely the time to care or listen to the nagging little voice of one of his annoying children. Or maybe we think of him as distant or even just completely absent, and our prayers simply disappear into this black abyss, and they're neither heard nor answered. Or maybe we imagine that God does listen and he hears, but he just doesn't care. Or that he's really capricious, he's just going to change his mind, he's really unpredictable. Or maybe that he plays favourites. You know, these mindsets can seriously undermine our desire and our ability to pray. You know, if this is how we see God, and this is how we think about prayer, then it's no surprise that we don't pray more often. I wonder what comes to mind for you when you think about prayer. When you think about the moments when you turn to God, like, what posture do you see God in? Is he standing aloof with his arms folded? and an eyebrow raised? Or is he squatting down, ready to anticipate Baz's arrival? Is he squatting down with full eye contact and an arm on the shoulder? Is he looking you directly in the face, giving you his full attention? Because we're encouraged to pray from that place. We're encouraged to believe that all of this is true, and yet when we go to God in prayer, he squats down, gives us full eye contact, and his full attention. And so we're going to pray to finish today. Hi kids, welcome back. Nice to see you. And we'll get, then we're going to hear from the kiddos. Um, I'm going to pray for us, I think. Um, we were going to pray in our groups, but we had too much fun talking about that, so we don't have time anymore. Um, but I'm going to pray. Um, and I'd just like you to just be really honest in your hearts about like, what do you see when you, when, you, when you think about prayer? Like, how do you think God is relating to you? Because I believe that the tension that the Bible will walk us into is to believe that all of this amazing, crazy, mind-blowing stuff about God is true. But also that when we go to God in prayer, he bends down and face-to-faces us and listens to all of his attention. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to hear from the kiddos. Father God, we thank you so much for the truth of who you are. We thank you that you are all-powerful all-knowing and you are all everywhere. We thank you that when we stop and when we pray, you listen. We thank you for your love for us as your kids, that you are not too busy for us. We thank you that you care about us and our emotions and our feelings and you care about the small details of our lives as well as the big ones. And we pray that you would help us as a community grow up and learn how to pray. Learn how to come to you ask you our questions and bring everything to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Very good. Okay, fantastic. It's great to have the kiddos back. Who wants to come in? Who wants to find out what the kids have been doing? You want to say something? Okay, go on in.
Whatever is in your diary, cancel your plans. I know, but are you ready for We got a million sweets. A million sweets? A million sweets, very good. You got some And you don't need the microphone, do you? Thank you to our kids team. Thank you so much. Thank you. Right, it's lovely to have seen you all that we are, we are now finished. We always end in the same way as a church, uh, with a blessing. It's a wonderful opportunity for me to just pray a blessing over all of us as a, as a church. So um, why don't we all stand to our feet? And what we usually do is we say, just put your arms out as wide as you want to be blessed. So if you only want to be blessed a tiny little smidge, just put your hands out a little bit. But if you want to be blessed big time, put your arms out super, super wide. I'm just going to pray for you. I just pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you. I pray the Lord would make his face shine upon you. I pray your life would be defined by the things that are true that we can learn from him. I pray that you would know how to pray, that God would hear your prayers and answer your prayers. I pray that you would see miracles this week. I pray that you would go out full of love and you'd leap all over the place and that people would ask where you've got your love from and that you could give them the answer. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Guys,